Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Because uh, they played a University of Tampa, I believe, yesterday. But today gets the Blue Jays in Dunedin and Matt Gelb, who now writes for The Athletic, which we'll learn all about and hear all about in just a couple minutes, was there, covered it, wrote about it. Matt, Joe Gillio with you. How you doing tonight, man? Hey, Joe. It's great. It hasn't rained a bit since uh, I've been down here. It's been about the best start weather start to spring that uh, I think I've ever seen. A lot of people down here can't remember one. It's, it's been pretty good. Well, now I'm jealous because it's rainy and cold up here, Matt. But we could, I think we could find some common ground on baseball. And uh, I, I think we could use what you said there about the weather. And I think maybe that's also a feeling around the Phillies. I, I know you've been covering them for a time. You went away for a little bit, but then you came back and you're covering the team again. And now for the Athletic. I can't remember in the last four or five years, maybe, I mean, I guess 2012, there was still a thought like they're going to come back and do it again. But it's been a while now since there was excitement and expectation and, and a good feeling, I think, among the fans in, in a camp like this. Yeah, I think it's just the team is young, you know, and, and they got a taste of it a little bit last year when they went 38-38, the final uh, 76 games of the season. And uh, they added a, a, a pretty big name back in Carlos Santana. and you know, the new staff has created a, a different vibe here. I mean, it is, is a younger coaching staff, the younger manager. Uh, they have some different ideas. It's a young roster. And, and look, I mean, is contention realistic for them this year? Probably not. But uh, you're going to see a better brand of baseball, and I think everyone can agree that it is generally moving in the right direction. It's just taking a while for them to get there. Yeah, and, they, and those guys are here now, and I think that's the fun part about it. You mentioned all the young players, and there's even more coming and you could dream on this thing a little bit. Now, they don't have all the pitching they need yet, but it does feel like, Matt, they're going to throw out a pretty good lineup every night, and it might be mixed and matched, and it might be different guys at different positions on a certain night, but really one through eight, they could have a pretty deep lineup of some really good hitters, but then really not too many bad ones. Yeah, I think the best analogy that people have, have said to me down here reminds me of 2005 or 2006 where, again, it was a younger group that you started to, to see get to the majors. And they could hit. And this team is going to hit. I don't think there's any question about that. This team is going to hit. They hit in the second half of last year. Let's say you put Carlos Santana, you know, near the top of the lineup, maybe number two. You put Reese Hoskins behind him. Those are two guys who are getting on base. They also hit for power. You got guys behind them like Herrera and Nick Williams. They're hoping for a bounce-back season from Michael Franco. There's a lot of potential in this lineup. And, and uh I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to score some runs. I think the biggest question is whether they're going to be able to get enough pitching to stay in games. Uh, they're going to have to out-hit teams. I don't think there's any, any doubt about that. No, there isn't. And right now, we're talking about Matt Gelb of the Athletic down in Clearwater. Right now, the pitching beyond Aaron Nola's is, is suspect. And we'll see if those guys can rise up and someone can jump out and, and become consistent. But you wrote about... Uh, Aaron Nola, this morning I read it at The Athletic, and I've, I'm a big fan of his, and I thought last year he kind of became, and, and you use this term, what do we talk about when we talk about Nola? Is he an ace? What's an ace? I thought he became something like a secret ace last year where you watch him every game, every fifth day, and you're like, he really is that good, but I, I think it's going to take some time nationally and probably a full season of it for people to put him in that category. 
What do you think of Nola after doing the piece and really just covering him last year? Yeah, and that was, I think what I was trying to challenge people and I think challenge myself was how do we look at him? And, and look, he only threw, and I say only, it was 168 innings last year. He missed about a month of time. I'm going to say, well, it's a little bit of a back injury. But, you know, you're not going to anoint someone in ace after 160 innings last year. And, and, and you know, the two seasons before, there was ups and downs. There were some bright spots, some low, some low points. But what we saw every five ni- every five nights last year was really – a guy who was figuring things out. And, and and you remember that he was the seventh overall pick in the draft, and there were labels put on him then that he was just sort of, you know, he was a safe bet. He was a guy who would be a mid-rotation starter. And, and maybe that's all he'll end up being. And still, even then, it's, he's a valuable player. But I think people inside the clubhouse and people inside their front office have a perception of him as being more than that. And I think the industry is starting to catch up to that. And look, in the end, Noel is going to have to prove it again. If he goes out there and gets close to 200 innings this year, and repeats a lot of the things he did last year with the strikeout rate, his walk rate, not giving up a lot of home runs, keeping his team in a game pretty much every night, uh, then I think you start to hear him in those conversations. And he's, he's uh, I think he's starting to, to challenge some of those labels. He is, and he's a talented guy. And you mentioned a seventh overall pick in 2014. Matt Gelb of The Athletic with us. Matt, we've done about five, six minutes of talk here. We haven't yet mentioned the manager. That's against the rules here because Gabe Kapler is too interesting not to talk about. What have you thought of his first camp, and what are, you, what are your impressions of Gabe Kapler? Because he's different. He is energetic. Uh, I think there's been some people that have talked to me or on social media and compared him a little bit to um, Chip Kelly. And the one thing I say about that, even though there's some, maybe some things there that are similar, Gabe Kapler played the game for a long time. He's been part of clubhouses. He was part of player development with the Dodgers. So although he's off the walls, he does – know what it is like to be the guy that gets the management from, you know, from a manager. Like, he gets the other side of it, which I always thought Chip Kelly didn't. What, what are your thoughts so far on, on Gabe? Yeah, and I can't speak to too much what the inner workings of what Chip Kelly was like, but my perception is that, yes, he is obviously like Chip in that he has different ideas and he's approaching uh, common things and, and challenging the way that things have always been done. But the difference to me, I think, with Gabe Kapler is that he really has put a premium on developing relationships with his players, with people in the organization. And I think in the Chip Kelly era, there were a lot of guys, especially in the locker room, who felt ostracized, who felt uh, like it was Chip Kelly's way or you're out. And there were a lot of guys who were subject to that. I think Gabe Kapler so far has shown that uh, he cares about uh, making sure his players feel included, that people around the team feel included. And, And look, it's, February, whatever it is, and everybody's happy right now because it's the second week of spring training. Uh, it's a very optimistic time of year in general. Gabe Kapler hasn't had to have any adversity or any challenges yet, and I think we'll really get a feel for him when he encounters that for the first time, when he has a player who uh, either isn't performing or disobeys him or whether the team goes through a challenging stretch. But right now, you know, I think he's hit all the right tones. He's a very positive guy that has appealed to a lot of the younger players in the clubhouse. And everyone's happy right now. We'll see what happens in the summer. Matt, of all the changes, and I know you just wrote I haven't got a chance to read the whole thing yet because we've been on the air, but I, I saw your piece came out after the game today against the Blue Jays about the shifts in the outfield. That's one thing that's probably going to be a little bit more extreme or different about the Phillies as we move forward. Uh, the way they were doing bullpen sessions earlier, the eight-man bullpen. Of all the different baseball changes that have kind of come in here with Gabe Kaplan now leading the way 
along with this front office. Which one is, is the most interesting to you so far? I think the most interesting to me so far is what they're doing with the catchers. And they're really thinking about it in a different way. And that's not to say anything the Phillies are doing here is truly revolutionary. It's just that it hasn't been done in the Phillies organization ever. And there are a lot of progressive teams who have come up with some different ideas. For example, the Dodgers, the Astros, even the Yankees you could include in there. And the Phillies have sort of been playing catch-up to some of these teams. And, and this spring, though, what they've been doing with the catchers and focusing on the way they receive the ball, uh, the relationships of the pitchers, their game calling, they've just sort of started from scratch there on a lot of different things. And, look, it's an area where they need to improve. It's a very young area on the team. Jorge Alfaro is going to have to be on the team. He's out of minor league options. He's not a finished product by any means. Andrew Knapp, also young, also could be on the team. They liked what they saw from him last year, but there were still some issues uh, in, in his defense. And they have a young pitching staff and pair those with young catchers, and, and you've got some problems there. So they, they've thought a lot of different ways about how they're, gonna, how they're going to teach their catchers how to try to steal some strikes. Um, we call it framing, uh, presentation, whatever you want to call it, but they've been pretty much dead last in baseball by different metrics, whatever you want to use. They've not been very good in that area because it was never really stressed in this organization at all. And really what you're seeing is the front office uh, has had some of these ideas for the last few years, but you know they had bigger problems to deal with, the fact that the roster just simply wasn't uh, competitive enough, not even near there. Uh, but now that they're getting closer, they're starting to stress some of the smaller things. And I think the catching uh, is one area where you're really going to see uh, a lot of changes. It sounds like what they're talking about when they have value at the margins on their uh, their Be Bold t-shirt. It sounds like that kind of thing right there. Matt, last one for you. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors out there and a lot of thought of the Phillies maybe adding, and you mentioned the pitching staff being young and, and not good enough right now, adding a guy like Jake Arrieta who's still out there, obviously has a connection to almost everyone in this Phillies front office. What's the latest you hear, and what's your gut on this? Do you think there's a realistic chance that Arietta could land with the Phillies? I think there's a realistic chance. I just don't think it's a great chance. You know, I don't think much has changed, really. The Phillies have maintained contact with Scott Boris throughout this winter. Uh, there was a recent report suggesting just that. I mean, their, their, their stance hasn't changed. Uh, they would be open to a deal with Jake Arietta if it was a shorter-term deal. And I still think that Jake Arrieta is going to get a deal of at least four years, maybe five years. And I think uh, the Phillies have been used a lot this winter as potential leverage for other teams. Look, they're a team that is young, that, you know, has a roster that's up and coming, and they have a lot of money to spend. And other agents and teams know that. And sometimes, uh, you know, they can use the Phillies to try to drum up a little interest elsewhere, put some pressure on other teams. My gut is that the Phillies, are going to let this thing play out. They will not add a pitcher uh, before opening day, but that doesn't close the door on them adding a pitcher come July. I think two of the bigger developments this winter involve the Tampa Bay Rays and the Kansas City Royals, who seem like they're really shedding. And who's to say come July that Chris Archer or Danny Duffy aren't available on a potential trade. And if the Phillies are hovering around 500 near the end of July, I think you'd see them try to make a big deal for a pitcher. But my gut is that they're going to let this thing play out for the first half of the season. Chris Archer and uh, Aaron Nola, we'd be cooking with gas there. Matt, enjoying the work so far at The Athletic along with your team. Keep it up, and uh, let's do this again soon, all right? Thank you, Joe. There he goes. Matt Gelb of The Athletic. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.